On this episode, you will learn three ways to declutter your business finances. We go into how you can pay yourself, when you should switch to an S-corp, and at the end, I'll give you one way you can actually decrease your bookkeeping costs or at least prevent your bookkeeping costs from increasing. As always, if this episode helps you, brings you value, please do me a favor, share it with a friend. Thank you and enjoy the show. Welcome to Build Your Wealth Muscle a podcast dedicated to helping fitness entrepreneurs build wealth by saving taxes and growing their money. Each episode will break down different strategies in the areas of business, tax, and retirement planning specifically for your coaching business. Disclaimer, the topics covered in this podcast are for educational purposes only. This is not advice for your specific situation. Please consult a qualified financial or tax professional before making any changes to your financial or tax situation. Now, here's your host, certified financial planner and tax advisor, Pat Darby. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Build Your Wealth Muscle. If this is your first time joining us, welcome. Appreciate it. Hopefully, you get a lot of value out of this episode. But there's two show formats that we do there are solo episodes like today where we can do a pretty deep dive on specific areas of finance, tax, cash flow, and profit planning. And then we have episodes like last week where we bring on a guest and they could be a number of different expertise areas. They could be a colleague of yours. They could support your industry from a tax or legal marketing sales perspective. And there we're having more of a conversation. But these solo episodes, we try to give actual excuse me, actual tactics that hopefully you can go and implement right away in your business. So last week, this one, and you're probably hearing it if you are listening to these as they come out, I appreciate that. Um, But this one's getting released late because last week I was in Dallas for a virtual CFO conference. So that was pretty cool. Some of the key takeaways of that event, other than the fact that the actual event room, like if you guys have ever gone to events, and I'm, I know you all have, it's typically a little bit cooler inside of those conference rooms, which is to be expected. But I was like, oh, it's going to Dallas. I live in Vegas. I'm going to Dallas. So I just pack like short sleeve shirts. It was to say the room was cold was a complete understatement. Like I, I think I took less notes because <laughs> most of the time I had like my hands in my pockets or trying not to literally shiver. It was crazy cold. But key takeaways outside of the fact that I love Vegas' heat was some of the different things about CFOs. It was was a good reminder, like talking to colleagues, like what some of the value points are that you can forget as a a virtual CFO, but putting back on the, the hat of the business owner that accountability, and I know the people listening, if you're a coach yourself in the f- health or fitness space, you know that accountability is is huge. You know, a lot of people know what they need to do to lose weight, but having you as a check-in point really drives that home and hopefully you, they are checking in with you and you're keeping them accountable enough that by the time your program ends, not only do they have results, but they have new life habits. So that executive level accountability is huge. And that was reinforced to us. Um, The second point, which I love to harp on, but it was reiterated, that objective uh, perspective on your numbers. 
you know, it's almost impossible for you to look at your own numbers and have no emotional connection to it. Even if you're unemotive, which obviously a lot of good business owners can be objective, but having a third party look at the numbers is, is very valuable because they don't have they they don't have an emotional reaction. They're looking at all their clients' numbers, so that's that's also a, a big component of it. Obviously, the fact that when we're looking at so many different businesses' numbers, we learn lessons from other people that we can help you implement. But one of the last points on there were, in my opinion, pretty valuable was having that balance for clients as both a cheerleader and a disagreeer. Um, I probably need to work on a little bit of the cheerleader part because I feel like people have a lot of cheerleaders in their life. And as entrepreneurs inside of our own business, we get easily excited and things are going to be rosy. So I feel like a lot of times as their tax advisor, as their financial advisor, or their virtual CFO, it's my role to help look for the the potholes and the risks. So it's easy to be like the disagreeer, at least for me. Like I know some people in the room are like, oh my God, like I have trouble being the disagreeer. I'm I'm the permanent cheerleader. And that reminder that you have to be both because if you're a naysayer all the time, that's obviously not so great. And if you are disagreeer all the time, that's not so great. Um, so that was a cool event. Um, looking forward to the next one just because it's there's not a lot of events that I know of for the virtual CFO community. So I was pretty pumped that this this organization ran it. Um, again, there's no shortage of tax events, no shortage of financial planning events, but there's not a lot in the virtual CFO space. So this was cool other than freezing cold. But next time I'll bring a jacket. All right, so let's get on to today's episode. And this is going to apply to both. So basically, the, the topic is, which obviously you clicked on it and you heard the summary in the beginning, but it's how you can get your, your finances organized or back on track. So uh, I wanted this to be a, a helpful episode, whether you're just starting out and you want to do things right. And obviously, if that's you, you probably don't have the financial resources in the beginning to hire somebody. Nor would I recommend it if you're just starting out, like your resources, your financial resources are better allocated towards something that will increase revenue. A lot of the, the strategies that I recommend and my colleagues in the tax side and the financial organization side, we can help you keep more of the revenue you bring in, but we're not necessarily helping you generate. We're not marketing. We're not sales. So we're not necessarily increasing the top line. Now, even if you are doing much better, obviously you could hire somebody, but if you're doing much better when you feel like the money's pouring in, but it's getting overwhelming in a good way, I guess, like in that scenario, like the, the revenue's flying in, but you don't necessarily know your profit. You don't have things organized. Here's some simple things you can do. Now, we help organize all this. So this isn't a commercial for what we do. This is a DIY episode. So here's three basic things you can do to get your finances on track. And again, they're going to vary um, depending on where you are. And I'll start off with the, the first reason why. Now, you do not need an LLC. I talk about this in my socials a lot. You do not need an LLC to start having tax deductions. Now, I know a lot of very famous people say, go out, get the LLC. You're open for business. You can open up a business bank account. And I agree with all that because if you know you're going to be in this for the long haul and you want it to be professional 
you want to have the business bank accounts, you want to do it, and you know, you're like, I'm going to be in this, like I'm all in on my entrepreneurial dream. Getting the LLC right out of the gate, I don't have an issue with that if that's what you know what you want to do. But if you're doing it because you think you need the tax deductions, then I want to caution you, especially I'm here in Vegas, Nevada, and our next door neighbor, California. LLCs are expensive. And I highly recommend you get, if you're going to do it, not use like a legal website, but actually sit down with a lawyer because you want to make sure you have more than just the LLC. There's other things you need to do. Like you need to have operating agreements. You need to do annual renewals, like things like that you might forget to do. And I'm not a lawyer. This is not legal advice, but I'm just saying those websites, sometimes you're clicking around trying to get the lowest cost possible. And you might be uh, overlooking some of the documents that you would actually need in the event of the shit hitting the fan in your business, like getting a lawsuit or something. And this is not legal advice. Again, can't emphasize that enough. But you don't need that LLC for taxes. A sole proprietorship, which is what every individual is, you're running out of your, your social security number instead of your LLC, which would have an EIN or a tax ID number. You've all the same tax deductions. Doesn't matter if you're using a personal bank account or a business bank account, the tax strategies are all the same. Now, there is one difference. The one tax strategy that you do not have access to if you're not an LLC is the S Corp. Now, I've have I've whole episodes on the advantages of that and let um, the latest one was episode 22 where I talk about an S Corp versus a partnership. But if you want an even deeper dive into S-Corps, it is episode 21. So we go back to February of 2022. But episode 21, I talk all about S-Corps. Basically, for the, the, the shortest possible version, they were going to reduce your self-employment taxes. That's the, the short of it. I don't want to make this episode about S-Corps. But if you know you're going to be looking to need to switch to an S-Corp, then you do need that LLC because you need to go from an LLC to an S-Corp. If you're a sole proprietorship, then you would have to have your sole proprietorship. You have to get the LLC, then you elect the S status. Now, you don't need the LLC like I just emphasized, but along with the original advice of like, hey, you just want to be organized and you want the business bank account, maybe you want it to be professional looking, all that again. But if you're using those those pieces of advice and saying, you know, I'm going to get the LLC. The one advantage there is that that S election can go retroactively. So if you start the LLC and it's January 1, but you just don't know how you're going to do, and this might even be more exciting for people that live in a state where the LLC cost is very low, then in that scenario, you could get the LLC and it's almost like an insurance policy that if the business does great, then you retroactively elect the S. If the business didn't do so well, it didn't hit your revenue and profit targets, well, then all it cost you was that. You know, again, you'll hear more in episode 21, but there are, the cost of an S Corp is not necessarily zero. It's probably going to be two to $3,000 a year. So that's one of the reasons that you, you want to wait. But if you have the LLC, then you can go ahead and make that retroactive election and save yourself some taxes. Now, this is still part of the first one. You don't need an LLC. Let's talk about how you have to pay yourself. So if you decide to be a regular LLC, not an S-Corp, or you decide to not have an LLC, 
the way you pay yourself, you just move the money. It's the whole thing is an owner's draw. It doesn't matter if you have a regular sole proprietorship and you make a hundred grand in profit, you pay a hundred, you pay taxes on that hundred grand. It doesn't matter. So all you're doing is moving the money from a bank transfer. So you have it in account A and you move it to your personal account. That's all you do to pay yourself because it won't matter when a, when a tax, when your tax preparer comes in <clears throat> and figures out what you owe. It won't matter if you moved all the money or none of it. They're passed through entities. So all you do is just move the money. It's just an owner's draw. Now, if you're an S-Corp, the money does need to flow in a specific way. You're going to pay yourself two ways. There's going to be a payroll involved. And so you're going to set what's called, a, well, it's called a reasonable compensation. So you set that salary, the W-2, and that's your payroll. That's the first way you pay yourself. And then the rest of it, the rest of the profits go as an owner's draw. So the first portion is through that payroll provider. So you hit the button on your payroll and then it, it does its thing. And then it it's, gives you a paycheck the way you would if you work for somebody else, but that's how the S-Corps do it. The second way is you just move the money. And now obviously when you're going to want to make sure you track it properly with some bookkeeping to make sure that it's classified as an owner's draw, but that's it. You move the money through payroll and an owner's draw, or if you're a sole proprietorship, or let's say a non S corp, so sole proprietorships or the regular LLCs, just move the money. All right. That was the first one. You don't need an LLC, but there's advantage if you have it. But from a tax perspective, it's almost identical. Number two, separate expenses. Now, depending on where you are in your business life journey or life cycle, you can do this with as simple as an Excel spreadsheet. You know, break it down like what every time you get paid, write it on the spreadsheet. So whether that's through PayPal, Venmo, Stripe, Zelle, Cash App, YouTube payments, OnlyFans payments, it doesn't matter. Just write it down. So again, this is that's the basic version. Just write it down on an Excel spreadsheet. You create your own profit and loss statement. And as I'm recording this, I'll just made a note for myself. Um, the profit and loss, I have a profit and loss spreadsheet that's really helpful. I've gotten, thankfully, I've gotten some, a lot of compliments on it from the people I've given it to. Um, and it breaks it all down. It's completely free. You can sign up. I'll leave the link in the show notes. But it breaks it down by the month. So again, it's nothing fancy and it's actually intentionally simple. You just write down, again, all the different revenue sources as they come in each month. And then as you buy things on a credit card or a debit card or whatever, you write that down on the expenses side. And at the end of the year, it's going to show you all your income, all your expenses, and how much is profit. And obviously, that profit is what you pay taxes on. So I would now that's the, the simple way. As you build a little bit larger and your business gets more complexity, or you want to be right out of the gate doing this. I highly recommend a software like QuickBooks Online because you want all of that categorized for you. You want to have a system where you keep everything simple. It's going to link to your bank accounts. It's going to link to your credit cards. And it's going to start pulling transactions in for you. So it's going to do a lot of the work for you. And it'll just take you a little bit of time to learn the basics. And you can go in and categorize what that was, what type of revenue it was, what type of... Um, expense it was, and it's going to get that profit and loss statement for you that you can 
give to your tax repair at the end of the year. And obviously, as you get bigger, you're going to have more complexity in your business. And then you might want to move to professional bookkeeping, but you'll have already have had the basics if you do this yourself on QuickBooks. And so, well, again, this isn't a plug for it, but we help people set that up because when you're just starting out, it's the easiest time to do this, even though you might be like, oh, I'm trying to save costs. The basic version of QuickBooks is like $30 a month or something. So it, it may be worth it from the get-go just because that at that point, you have low transactions um, and you're going to eventually want this type of information. Now, one way to look at this that I, I want to emphasize, there's really two ways that you can illustrate your numbers when it's coming to like profit and loss statements. You can use... There, all right, let me just explain the two and then I'll go give, give a little more information. The two ways are basically tax compliance and strategic planning. So if you look at your profit and loss from a, um, a tax perspective, all that you really need to know is how much your profit was because that's how much you, you owe taxes on. So in theory, you could have one line item that said income and one line item that said expenses. And let's say there's $200,000 worth of income $50,000 worth of expenses. And then we know there's $150,000 worth of profit. Now I'm oversimplifying it. Like you'd want a little more than that just because some of the expenses are not 100% deductible. For example, like if you have some auto in there, if you have meals in there, things like that, they're not 100% deductible. But well, I should, the, the auto I should qualify because depending on your situation, maybe it is. But for the most part, what I'm trying to get at is that your accountant needs a little more information on just some of the expenses. But overall, as you, the business owner, you can look at that and say, all right, I owe about $150,000 worth of profit. That's taxable. The second version of that is um, strategic planning. Now, this is where you want to know what things actually were. For example, you'd want to know not one line item says $200,000 worth of revenue. You want one or not one, you want multiple line items where it's a revenue one, 40,000, revenue two, 100,000, you know, you break it down by your services, your products. So then you start to get an idea and you do the same thing. Like if you have cost of goods, like the cost associated with one of the services, the cost associated with one of the products, and then every, all your expenses broken out. So that way you as the CEO, or you as the CEO and your virtual CFO can sit down and make strategic decisions being like, wow, we spent a lot of time on revenue source number three, and it is one of our smallest revenue streams versus, wow, we don't really spend that much time on one of the biggest revenue sources. Like what if we allocated more time to it? Would it double, triple, quadruple? Like now you can start to see things and make strategic decisions. But if you're just, if you're either just starting out or if you feel like you're so behind on like taxes and they're super overwhelming, you don't need to jump from doing nothing to strategic planning bookkeeping or strategic planning organization. You might just be better off getting the IRS off your back and being like, okay, I'm making a million dollars a year. I don't care what the revenue sources are. I just need to figure out what my profit is. So that is two different levels. The, obviously, you can jump right to the strategic planning, but you don't need to. 
Like if you if you're just doing this for the first time, again, whether you're just starting out or you've got a seven figure business, it's there's nothing wrong with just starting with the simple and getting it completely organized so your tax professional can be like, oh, okay, a million dollars worth of revenue, four hundred thousand dollars worth of expenses. And again, you might not know what all those revenue streams are, and you might not know where all the details of those expenses to see how much you're spending on marketing versus how much you're spending on your your team. You might not have that broken out, but you can get compliant with the IRS because now your accountant knows, oh, $600,000 worth of profit. Cool. Run the tax numbers. Boom. Done. And then the next year, you could easily be like, all right, now let me get sophisticated with this and figure out how are my different revenue streams doing? How are my... what? Where am I really spending all my money? And can you, and then obviously that's where you bring in, either you do it yourself or you bring in a virtual CFO to help you optimize that. Now, one of the ways that to keep yourself organized in terms of expenses, this gets back to what we we're talking about the first one. If you're not an LLC, you want to have a separate bank account. Even if you're not, even if you don't have an LLC and you've not, you cannot create those business bank accounts. You want to have separate ones. You want to have a business, a bank account that is, even if it's personal, that's used exclusively for your business. So this is where you separate everything out. And again, you could be a business owner making a lot of money. And for whatever reason, maybe you haven't gone down the road to the LLC and all that stuff. But stop using your business bank account, your business credit card, your business debit card. Stop using those for personal expenses. Have a personal one and a business one. Because at the point of sale, it's very easy for you, the business owner, to know if it's business. Like you're about to fly to go meet a client, pull out your, your business car credit card. Now, again, it doesn't have to actually be tied to a business EIN, but if you use it, if you use it exclusively for business, that gets more to the organizational standpoint of like the tax compliance. You can hand those statements off to a tax preparer at the end of the year and be like, all of these are business. And then conversely, you don't have to do anything with your personal stuff because it doesn't matter. There's no deductions on the personal life. Now, if you really want to do tax planning, you would open those up to a tax strategist or tax advisor because there might be things in your personal life that you may not realize are tax deductible. But all the obvious stuff that you know is business will already be inside the business. And again, it doesn't need to be a, an LLC, tax ID number, business bank account, all that good stuff. Doesn't have to be a credit card in the in the name of the business. It could be a credit card in your personal name when you're personal social. But again, just keep everything organized and separated. <clears throat> if you plan to do that, well, I should say this: with whether you're doing this separated with an LLC or not, one of the things that, that I think is a cool safeguard is an app called Mint or Mint.com. I feel like I always call it Mint.com. I don't know if other people do. But it's completely free. I think there's some upgraded features, but I've been using it, I think, like eight years now. And I've always used the free version. So if there's cool bells and whistles that you have to pay for, I don't know about them. And I'm really happy with it with just the free version. So I get nothing from promoting them. I just personally use it. I personally recommend it to clients. And one of the reasons I personally use is, one, you can tag things. So if you're going along and you're, and you're being a little bit disorganized, but you want to start getting things squared away, you can link your personal credit cards, your personal debit cards onto Mint. And if you, it'll pull, pull all the transactions in. So you can easily do this in hindsight. 
And then you can create a tag, like let's just call it business expense would be the, the tag. So you can link those in. And as I'm recording this, it's the end of May of 2023. You can go back and just start scrolling through and be like, oh yeah, that flight, that was for a business conference and tag it business. And so that way you, you want you can eventually sit down and I would recommend you actually use the website because you can have the app or the website. Then you can go into the website of mint.com because it's just a little more user-friendly, a little more features. But you could like export the data, you could filter by the tag, and now you have all this information. Now I would take it one step further. This is based on a mistake that I almost made. I create budgets for everything on there and I recommend you do the same for this reason. So I, tr I create budgets for everything and then when I see transactions, I categorize them and I tag it to like, oh, this is groceries, this is gym, this is restaurants, things like that. Years ago, when I was just a sole proprietor and I didn't have my LLC, I had all these expenses and I was going through and like I just explained to you, I was like looking for tags and I was like business owner stuff. So I was going through at the end of the year, trying to grab all the business stuff that I just had on there, but I just tagged it because I was like, I was maybe where you guys are now. Like I wasn't professionally organized. So I had overlap. So if I put something on a personal credit card, like I knew it was a business expense, so I just tagged it. But because I did the tagging and I had budget set for everything, Mint found, I think it was like $2,700 or something. And it threw it in uncategorized. I was like, what the hell is that? $2,700 uncategorized. And it turned out it was, I think it was a check I'd written um, to buy something inside of the business. This was a while ago. I was, I was writing real checks. But it found it and it didn't know what the hell it was. But because it didn't have a place, Mint saved me and, and I was able to like grab that and write it off. But it's just checks and balances because inside of your personal life, even if you're super organized doing professional bookkeeping and all this stuff, on your personal life, there's not going to be bookkeeping in your personal life. So this is like a free tool to do a little bit of um, surveillance, for lack of a better term, on all your spending habits. And it could catch things that might otherwise fall through the cracks. And it's completely free. Again, I don't. If you don't want to use it, or if you're using something else, um, that's cool too. But that saved my butt. And before I was doing everything with bookkeeping and syncing it into QuickBooks and all that stuff. Um, but this is a good monitor in your personal life. Okay. Now, last piece of this. So again, if you don't need an LLC, separate expenses. The third, taxes. Build. This is you get buried as a sole or as a self-employed person because taxes are more than you think. If you're just starting out in business, this is going to potentially sneak up on you if you don't take care of it. And if you've already been in business and you didn't have someone helping you right out of the gate, you're probably shaking your head like, holy shit, yeah. Because everyone knows what they're like, federal bracket is for the most part because those are always promoted they're always being debated online and the news talks about like the bracket so most people have a ballpark on what they think they're going their income is and have a ballpark on what that federal bracket is but and then obviously if you live in a, a state with taxes you probably have a ballpark there too but it's that self-employment taxes which is starts out at 15.3 percent then it trails off after like 160 grand or so but that 15% is what people get really hurt by 
Because if you're making about a hundred grand, you might pencil the math and you're like, oh, well, I'm going to be around 20% or so. And then bam, you get hit with another 15%. So if you were expecting to be like, ah, probably with expenses and write-offs, 15, 20 grand, then your accountant comes back and like, oh, you owe $35,000. That can be really difficult and it can get you behind perpetually. So build that tax fund. Don't get behind on taxes. Now, if you do, you, there's like installment plans, things you can do. I talked about it. I'm just looking it up. I, had, I have a whole podcast episode on it. Episode 71, February 15th. Yeah, episode 71. Treat the IRS. So the, there I talk about all the things you can do to if you get behind and you need the IRS to help you. The IRS is more flexible than you think. They, they are like a bank. They want to get paid. They're not just trying to like throw you in jail or seize your assets. Like it, they'll do that if it comes to it. But for the most part, they just want you to reach out to them and be like, hey, I know I owe you money. Let's talk. Let's work it out. And so there's there's things you can do. That episode, episode 71, will give you all the details. All right. But try not to get behind because, or at least tackle it. So I highly recommend figure out the percentage you want. But when you're getting paid, you should start moving a percentage immediately out of the business. You make $1,000, keep it simple. Move 25% of it out. You make $1,000, move $250 into a tax account. You make $1,000, move $250 out of it into a tax account. You can make those payments on irs.gov. Click on there. You can There's payment portals. It'll make it real simple. But there's four quarterly payments, April, June, September, and January. And then you basically pay the fifth one would be the balance due when you file your taxes and your accountant will, because the other ones are just estimates. So you pay those four just to keep yourself away from underpayment penalties. And then your accountant will be like, oh, you overpaid or you underpaid and this is the balance due. So, but I can't emphasize enough, getting an idea of like where you are tax wise and putting that money aside, like out of sight, out of mind. I recommend that be a bank account that is not the same bank that you're paying all your personal expenses with, that you're paying your mortgage with, that you're paying your uh, credit card payments with all that. I recommend being a totally different bank because you want that to be mentally, if you ever read Profit First, they emphasize this. You want that money to be, to not feel like it's your money because it's sort of not. It's the IRS's money. Obviously, if you overfund it, it's your, it's part of it's your money, but you want to get in the mental habit of being like, this is not my money. It's earmarked for the IRS because again, you don't want to get behind with the IRS. So you pay those quarterly payments. And again, you can make those quarterly payments yourself. You don't need an accountant to do that for you. You can do it on irs.gov. And so that's that's really what I wanted to go over with you guys. The three things to get your business finances organized, especially if you're not at the position yet where you want to hire anyone or if you have the resources to hire anyone yet. Brief recap. You do not need an L. Don't let someone push you into getting an LLC if you can't afford it or they feel like it's super expensive. You don't need it for the tax strategies. You're going to eventually want it if you make enough money and you get an S Corp. That amount of money. I want you to cross like 50, 60K of profit. Okay, talk to somebody. Reach out to me. I, I can teach you what you need to do. Second, separate your expenses. Again, stop using your personal credit card for business expenses. Stop using your business credit card for personal expenses because I didn't talk about this before, 
But if you are using your business credit card, and this is, this is helpful for people with a bigger business. If you have your business credit card and you're constantly making personal expenses, from a tax perspective, you'd probably be okay because your bookkeeper is manually going in and being like, oh, you were just at Disney World. That's personal. You're just at whatever. I You went grocery shopping. That's personal. But for your own perspective and your own internal costs, they're going to charge you for their time. So if every time they do your books, they have to like pull 110 or 20 or 30, all these expenses out and manually tag them as owner's draws, that might be pushing your bookkeeping bill higher than it needs to be, which is on you. Like you could be the one who's like, oh, like I want, because bookkeeping is based on like complexity and transactions and things like that. Bookkeeping pricing is based on that. So if you can keep your transactions lower by just, stop using your personal your personal expenses inside of a business credit card or debit card you're probably going to get a less of a bill from your bookkeeper okay so number two was separate expenses and three was build that tax fund try your best when you're just starting out or if you feel like you're getting behind get in that habit now like if that's especially for people who are their money their business doing very well and they're having anxiety over taxes get in that habit 10%, 20%, 30%, every dollar that comes in, move 10, 20, 30% away. Again, uh, you want to be more strategic. The more you make, the higher the percentage just because of the tax brackets work. But if you're saving nothing and you're making a million dollars a year and you start moving 10% away, that's a great place to start. Even though I would tell you, ideally, someone making that much money, it should be much higher than 20 or 30, 20 or 25%, probably closer to 30. But if you're doing nothing, and you feel like you can't do anything starting at 10. So hopefully this is helpful. Hopefully these three tips are valuable. And again, in the show notes, it's going to be a link to the profit and loss Excel spreadsheet, or it's a Google Sheet spreadsheet actually, but hopefully valuable. All right, guys, have a great week. Thank you for joining us this week on Build Your Wealth Muscle. The links mentioned in this episode are available in the show notes for video clips and more information on tax and retirement strategies for fitness entrepreneurs, please follow my Instagram at the Pat Darby. If you found value in this episode, please do us a favor and share with a friend. If you tag me, that'd be appreciated also. Lastly, for help implementing any of the topics discussed, please book a call. The link is also in the show notes. Thank you again for listening and have a great day.